what's going on, Los Angeles? Welcome into a, another edition of the Rams Skinny here on the LA Football Network. Rams with a big win, 17-16 over division rival Seattle Seahawks with the sweep of the Seahawks this year. Much needed and excited to talk about it with my good friend, the managing editor of the LA Football Network, your Rams beat writer, editor, aficionado, whatever you want to call him, Ryan Skinny T. Anderson. What's up, brother? Happy Monday. How was the weekend? Oh, weekend was just good. We were going over it. I had some Korean barbecue, one of the uh, fine delicacies of LA cuisine. Uh, it really hits the hits all the right notes and uh, hits all the right spots. Uh, you know, just good meats, good veg, some weird, <clears throat> some weird, uh, you know, pickled vegetables and whatnot, uh, some snails and all that good stuff in there. But uh, yeah, you some uh, nails. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you gotta get it all out. Gotta get a little weird. Let's well, go. Uh, yeah, you get the uh, Korean barbecue. A little weird. It's always good. Uh, but uh, Thanksgiving, man, can you believe it? Holy cow! No, it's November twentieth. I know this is this is insane. Like the year. Obviously, I've been in full Christmas mode for quite some time, but I just can't believe we're a month and a half from the new year. I'm, I'm so I'm supposed to run a half marathon. I think I've told you this before. A half yeah. marathon on New Year's Eve day, the Huntington Beach half marathon. And we, we book or whatever, uh, reserved a spot back in, I think it was June. And I was like, all right, cool. Plenty of time. I'm not going to train intensively. It's a half marathon. Like it's not like a full marathon, but Hey, I, I'm going to start like running two days a week just to like, at least so I don't die after like a mile. I've ran once and it's November 20th. I'm getting a little nervous. I don't know if I'm going to, I'm not going to back out. I'm not a quitter, but I may be walking a lot of this half marathon because I have just not trained or ran at all. And I know you're a runner and we talked about it and I was like, okay. You said you run in the morning, clears your head. I was like, all right, I'm going to start doing that. The alarm goes off and I'm like, nope, I'm good. We're going to not go running now. <laughs> yeah, you're not a morning person. It's rough, uh, you know, and getting out of bed. That's that's always the hardest thing is get out of bed, get your running gear on, get out in the in the chilly uh, L.A. morning. That's, as soon as you do that and then you hit just one one foot in front of the other. That's what I tell myself. Don't worry about speed or how you feel. It's just one foot in front of the other. Yeah. For me, it's Life more life. about like keeping my eyes open, like can my eyes yeah. stay open at that time? So anyway, so yeah, pray for me, anyone out there that I have less than, what do I have about 45 days till I actually uh, am going to be running and haven't ran at all. So we'll see how that goes, but that's neither here nor there. We're talking Rams football. We got to talk about our friends at Underdog Fantasy. Head to the Underdog Fantasy app on the Google Play or Apple Store, or you can go to underdogfantasy.com. It's the hot new ticket in town, legal here in California uh, or all across the country for the most part. you uh, The best thing to do that we do is to pick them, pick two to five players from any sport. All you're doing is going against the over-unders that underdog decides. I won some fun money this weekend. Um, it's a lot of fun. So go there, use our promo code RAMSLAFB. That's all one word, RAMSLAFB. They're going to match your welcome deposit up to $100. So you're getting free money to play with. Highly recommended. Underdog Fantasy. Tell them the guys at the Rams Skinny sent you. As we always do, Skinny T, at the top, 17 to 16 win. Just give me your overall takeaways from this one as the Rams get a much needed win to get to four and six, but a big sweep over a division rival. Yeah. Um, you know, we coming into the season, we talked about how important these division games are going to be. Uh, and Cardinals obviously looking like winnable games, but uh, Seattle was kind of that wild card where uh, Sean McVay has had a lot of success against um, uh, uh, old Pete Carroll up there, 76 year old Pete Carroll running around looking great, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, Pete. 10, 10 
10 wins Sean McVay has over uh, Pete Carroll, which is the largest uh, head coaching pro pro head coaching uh, margin that any any head coach has over Pete Carroll. So mm-hmm. something something to hang the hat on there. So, yeah, uh, you know, uh, not a good, clean game in any way, shape or form. Not the four quarters that we saw uh, the, in the first game, but eking out the victory, taking advantage of um, uh, mistakes that. Uh, Seattle committed in, in this game and get get the W keep themselves in playoff contention. Uh, you know the the sky was falling last last couple of weeks in terms of that uh, idea, but this NFC just keeping allowing uh, the Rams to stay in there with a four and six uh, record, and you know, um, you know, it's it's a win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's what you take in this league, right? It, it wins a win. And if it's ugly, who cares? I mean, you can, as long obviously there's mistakes that can rear their ugly head come playoff time if you haven't corrected them. But at the end of the day, you get that win, you go and you try to correct them every week and, and you, you know, see where you stand at the end of the season. And so this is a game that, you know, I think both you and I had them winning just because of that number you said. For whatever reason, McVeigh, doesn't matter who the coach is in Arizona, McVeigh has Arizona's number. He has Pete Carroll's number, and then obviously he just can't beat Kyle Shanahan. So it's like the circle of life in the NFC West of how it goes. Um, and, you know, so they're able to get it done. But, yeah, it, you know, I think the resiliency of this team is is worth noting. I think the the grit, the the fight that they have, those are all like non, in my opinion, non-coachable things. Like, yeah, you can be a rah-rah guy and try to get you guys fired up. But at the end of the day, it's up to these players of how much they want it. And that's the culture, I think, that Sean McVay's, uh, instilled in this team. And, you know, we, uh, we've talked on, not that this show, obviously, but on our other show, Chargers Unleashed. And I've written some articles about, about the team across town in the chargers that they just don't really have that. It seems like, and whether that comes from the top or not, they just don't have that grit at the end of the day to win those close games. And the Rams have lost some too. So I'm not saying that they're also all is right in the world because of this win, but it shows you that it, the passion's there. And this is not a team that I don't think I don't know if why anyone would be talking about this, but this is clearly not a team tanking. Like, this is clearly a team that's battling to make a pl- the playoffs. And this game was very evident of that it wasn't pretty. It, it wasn't um, certainly the offense that we were hoping we'd see. Uh, obviously you lose Cooper cup early. That's a huge loss again. Um, they got Tutu Atwell involved like right away. And then just not never again. Like he was involved early. And then I was like, Oh great. Tutu Atwell game. And then finished with what? 17 yards receiving or something like that. So um, Puka Nakua had a, had a, Decent game, getting back involved, five catches. I had, um, speaking of underdog fantasy, I took the over. It was five and a half, of course. Hit that line oh. five. I was like, one more. And he had that at the end of the game. Remember, he had that at almost touchdown catch. That I mean, obviously, they set the field goal, but that, that would have won it for not just the Rams, but for me. But anyway, so I'm getting long-winded. But yeah, it's, you know, the my takeaway from this game is, hey, this is a team that fights till the very end, that has a good culture, which are the two most important things. And then you you have to just get, you know, eke out some X's and O's, some schematic stuff. You got to correct some some mistakes made and um, obviously, you know, have some execution stuff that, that works out better. But it, the important things of grit, fight, culture, passion, those are all evident with this team. And, and you saw that in a 17 to 16 win. Yeah, I think uh, Sean or uh, uh, Matthew Stafford, especially, we've seen it a couple of times uh, this year where he's been able to, when his back's against the wall, he he just leads those uh, drives and gets them into the right position to uh, score the points to keep him in the game or to uh, score the touchdown, kick the field goal, whatever. Um, <clears throat> you know, not not a tremendous uh, game by him, but uh, you know, 
get taking a few shots there, coming back into the game and, and putting them in the position to win. You know, you got, we, we've seen it time and time again with him and uh, continues to prove uh, that he's able to do that at the very least. So uh, definitely impressive there performance there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of been the, the tail of the season for Stafford, right? Like statistically, it doesn't look good. Like if, if you're just a box score watcher or a national pundit, that's not really watching these games and is kind of maybe watching some highlights and looking at the stats afterwards, you'd say, Oh man, Stafford's having a really bad year. But when you watch him play and what he has to work with, like he's really still playing at a, in my opinion, a high level, like there's been some mistakes out there, some stuff left, but you still see the throws that Matthew Stafford's made his whole career. You still see um, the, the willingness to, and just the, the embodiment of toughness, right? Like Geno Smith, and I'm not, this is not a knock on Geno Smith at all. He ended up coming back in this game, but you know, he, he goes out with the, it was the elbow or shoulder kind of banged up and um, misses some time. Drew Locke comes in, throws a key interception uh, to Darion Kendrick. Got a nice little penalty on the, on the showboat and afterwards, right. classic Kendrick. Classic what did they, Kendrick, call, what did they call that penalty? They called it something funny. I thought it would have been a taunting yeah. penalty. But they yeah, they like didn't that. call taunting. It was, yeah, it was yeah. something, I'm trying to remember what it was, but yeah, it wasn't taunting, even though he was taunting, but, um, so, you know, and Stafford banged up too in this game as he is in every game, didn't miss a snap, like doesn't miss anything. So he's just a consummate tough pro. You can rely on in crunch time. He's done it throughout his career. When the game's on the line, there's not many quarterbacks, excuse me, in this league that I, I'm guessing you or many people out there would rather have under center when the game's on the line. And so he proved that again yesterday, uh, having that game winning drive at the very end, you know, it would have been nice to get six and give him a little more breathing room, but Hey, they got the field goal, took the one point lead and defense did enough to hang on. Let me ask you this real quick. Talking about Seattle. Cause this surprised me. And you know, I know that there, there's the clock stuff, but Seattle goes down, they get that big touch from T- DK Metcalf. And then essentially they elect to, they didn't kneel it technically, they ran it, but it basically were just like a wash play to get the clock to go down so they could spike it. But it set up a 55-yard field goal. Like, I was surprised they didn't try one more play to get, like, some more yards. Like, were, did that surprise you at all? Because there were still, like, 20 seconds on the clock. Like, you had time if you spike it, you get one more play, maybe an out route, and then and then you kick the field goal. Did that surprise you at all? Yeah, I would have tried to pick up something, do your do your kicker a little bit of favors. I know he had kind of hit 15 in a row, uh, you know, uh, and, you know, at 54 earlier. But, you know, that's that's a long field goal. That's 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 not an easy field goal with extra pressure of, of a game winner on the on the kicker's uh, shoulders there. Um, yeah, I would have. <clears throat> I mean, the, the the end of the game in general was 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 baffling. I feel like the Rams could have taken some extra time off of the clock, uh, you know, on their final drive. Um, yeah, you know, passing so, instead of running it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, you know, you, th- you think about, you know, those end of the game scenarios and, and, you know, Pete Carroll have so much experience. Um, you know, we see this across the league where it's just like, shouldn't they just have one guy, you know, on the sidelines that's like, Hey, this is your, this is what you do. You figure out, you, you just tell head coach what to do, you know, mm-hmm. in, in this situation, you, you, you can do this or you can do that. And then yeah. Pete Carroll calls it in or whatever, or, you know, whoever, whoever does that. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Well, it's, it's funny, really, you, really it's funny you say that. Sorry to, sorry to cut you off, but 
So the the Broncos actually did that last year with everyone knows Nathaniel Hackett beginning of the year, just like horrible game management. And it was just week one against Seattle specifically that happened, right? Like they could have got literally the exact same scenario could have got more yards instead elected to kick like a 62 yard field goal or something for the win. Um, And so ironically, very same scenario. And Pete kind of, Pete didn't blast him for it, but like chuckled after the game about Hackett doing that. And then Pete kind of goes and does the same thing here. Like could have got more yards and Alexis to settle for a 55 yarder. But so the Broncos later on, um, I'm drawing a blank on the coach's name, but basically they had a, an analyst on staff who was a long time NFL coach and they basically made his role game manager. And so he basically just called down to Hackett or the offensive play caller, whoever was doing what and like, okay, you know, this is what we do in this scenario. This is this, because you have so much going on. Like, no one should expect the coach to be able to do a million things. There's going to be sometimes where, you know, he needs a little guidance on some things because he's focusing on different things. So, yeah, the Broncos did do that. And I think it, you know, their, their record didn't change, but it, it did help with game management. So I'm curious why more teams don't do that. I mean, you have like 90 staffers on on staff. Why not have one of them that just be their one job? Well, I uh, <clears throat> I actually subscribed to the physical uh, Sports Illustrated magazine this year. You know, just support, support, uh, you know, journalism, keep it, you know, I don't know, keep it somewhat relevant. And they have this really fantastic piece. It's called how it works, I think is the, the breakdown or the, the title of it. And they're, they're, they're talking about, there's one about the, the Las Vegas F1 race. And there's one about the breaks down everybody on the sidelines and what they do for, uh, the Miami Dolphins. So, you know, go to your local newsstands. If you have one, if you can find a a magazine stand out there and buy this, if you're curious about all the different people over there and and all their different roles. Um, but going back to, to Matthew Stafford, you you know, after kind of getting his hip banged up and over the last few games and kind of over this last season, uh, one concerning element I'd like to throw out there is is his completion percentage has has really kind of taken a dive in the last few years. Well, just this last year, anyway. You know, uh, I think over over his career, he's sixty three percent. This year, he's just under sixty percent completion percentage. And there were just a couple of passes in this game that I think he could have made that Daryl Henderson pass overthrew it. You know, not even in bounds. You know. That was kind of a confusing one. There was, you know, one that was a bit high to Puka Nakua. There was one that was a bit low and behind Tutu Atwell. So I don't know if that's a health issue or if that's, you know, he's, you know, I I wrote about screen passes earlier this week, earlier last or late last week, I guess. And, you know, it's just, it's one of those things that you want to see with an older, older quarterback is kind of some easy uh, passes for him to make. And I, I'm not sure what it is. I'm no expert on uh, quarterback accuracy and I can't, I don't know what's going on in his arm, but that's just something I'm going to continue to monitor going forward is what, what's going on with Matthew Staff, Stafford's accuracy. It, that's yeah. ticked down a bit. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. Cause as I say, like, you know, he shows, he can still make the throws and that, but yes, you're right. He's missing the easy throws and the ones that are like gimmies. And, you know, I would hope that that's just a, him being out the last kind of two weeks and a timing issue, but I mean, it's kind of happened all season long, right? Like it's maybe a little more evident now after the injury and after missing some time. Um, and obviously the, the injury he had was to his throwing thumb. So maybe it has something to do with that a little bit, but yeah, it's definitely a, a concern, especially that Daryl Henderson one that could have been a big, big time gain. And 
Um, and those are, those are the easy ones, right? Those are the ones that, uh, they're, they're basically handoffs, if you will. That's where, that's where Pat Mahomes makes all his, his money and his stats is in those easy throws. Like we, well, this isn't, we're not going to get in down this rabbit hole of Pat Mahomes, but if you watch Pat Mahomes game, a lot of his yards come off these little dump offs to let his, his players do, uh, do the rest of the work for him. And so that's something you want to see transpire for staff in this offense. And, and we mentioned it on the preview show or Maybe it was the bi-week show. I can't remember. Maybe it was two weeks ago. It's been a long time since they played. Uh, but we talked about like the screen game and how important and how important that was to this offense, the McVay offense over time, and how it's kind of dissipated over the last few years and getting that back involved. Now, one thing I think will certainly help that is getting Kyron Williams back most likely uh, next week. The hope is he can come off IR. His four-week window is going to be open. So if he's healthy enough, obviously they'll activate him. Well, we should hear more probably tomorrow. On, uh, on what that will look like, but that certainly helps because I think, um, and you probably know the numbers better than me, but I feel like their screen percentage or, or win percentage was much higher when he was in the lineup, or at least there was much more uh, emphasis on it. And, you know, just with the lack of him being there, plus Cooper Cup being banged up and whatever, it's like they just kind of got away from it. So, but they have the horses to do it, right? Royce Freeman and Daryl Henderson enough, like, why not get Benny Sko involved in the screen game? Why not get Tutu involved in the screen game? Like it's it's just interesting how it's like, well, we're just going to get away from it because Karen Williams is out and we failed at it twice to this game. So we're not going to try it anymore. So yeah, definitely something I want to see improve. And definitely something with Matthew Stafford that we need to watch. Well, and it was also really encouraging. You mentioned the running backs, uh, you know, kind of in those, those, uh, deciding drives that uh, the Rams were able to score on is uh, they didn't get away from the running game. They kept pounding the rock and that was, uh, that was yes. really encouraging. It was always something we've wanted to see. And it's something from Sean McVay. That's kind of a bit of a, a shift to, towards the right direction, which is a physical, a more physical brand of football, um, not abandoning the run, not trying to um, uh, force the ball into a receiver. So yeah, I think that, um, that's uh that's that's a, a move in the right direction for Sean McVay. Rolls Rolls voice, Royce Freeman with 17 carries for 73 yards, like a 4.8 average. Like that's that's good. That's efficient. That's what you want. And he got a nice lather going and Daryl Henderson had six carries. And so they were still like, you know, they they flirted with that 25 threshold that I like, but hey, it's better than what we've seen in the past. And um, yeah, so that was good. Uh and I saw I saw it many times. We talked with Lofa Tupu on the preview show. Rolls Royce with, you know, just protecting that football and doesn't have the mobility, but Hey, he runs hard. Love to see it runs hard. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, uh, so from, or, well, yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was oh, well, I had nothing to go for it. Oh, well, you know, just thinking about the offense, um, you know, still just really unimpressive over, over the course of the game, you know, 17 points, you know, I, I we came into the season thinking, they're going to push the threshold at, at 30. They're going to get 30 points a game. That's what they're going to kind of get towards. And then a couple games in, yeah, we're like, they well, had to do, we thought. Yeah. You know, a couple games in, let, you know, can they, can, can we get to 25 or so? Can we get to 20? <laughs> and uh, this offense is just not getting rolling. And it's not as if the Seattle defense is uh, just a top of top end, high end defense. They're kind of middle of the pack kind of across the board, you know, good at some things, good at pass rush, but, you know, just, you know, nothing, nothing dominant about this defense. And, you know, still, you know, coming out of a bye week, you get a couple of weeks to prepare for this game. You get, you know, everybody trying to get healthy. And it just seems like, um, you know, 
the question that keeps popping up in my head is, is this offense just a Kyron Williams away from becoming something like a juggernaut? And I don't, I don't feel like that's the case. Um, you know, so I don't, I don't, I don't know where to point the fingers. You know, I talked a bit about, you know, Stafford's accuracy and, you know, he's got to hit those throws and those, you know, if, you know, on some of them, they hit the guy in the hands as the receiver, you got to be able to pull that in. And, um, yeah, they're just yeah. not making they're not making those plays that seemed like some of those automatic plays and and they stall drives uh, a couple of three and outs you know so just another kind of underwhelming performance from the team so I don't know if you have any thoughts on kind of you know we we have been pointing the finger at Sean McVay yeah um, <clears throat> but you know at the end of the day those the the Joes have got to make the plays in the X and X's and O's. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah, it's a great point. You know, I, I think getting Kyron Williams back certainly will help. I think we've noticed how important he is to this offense. Um, we we saw some great flashes early in the season um, of how not just good he can be, but how involved he is in both the passing game and the running game. And so I think that will certainly help. But I agree. I don't think they're him coming back away from all of a sudden doubling their point total each week. <laughs> I just, I don't see that. If that, if that's the case and that's the one missing link, then fantastic. Then, Hey, just keep this guy healthy and make sure he's good to go the rest of the year. But it doesn't feel like that. It just, it just feels off for whatever reason. And in this case, it goes even back to last season. And, you know, obviously Cooper cup losing him, but even when they, he was healthy, like it, it was, the offense was not moving well. And the offense moved better in the beginning of the season without him to be Frank, when it was just Puka Nakua lighting the league on fire. And so, yeah, I don't, I think it's at the end of the day. Yeah. It's, it is starting to come down to execution. We can only, I mean, not that we have a say anyway, but we can only blame this, the scheme and the play calling so much. And at the end of the day, you got to start making some plays out there and they, they just haven't had those. They haven't had explosive plays been really lacking in the explosive play department. And then like you mentioned, they just haven't had the consistency multiple three and outs. And it's like, the Rams and football in general is so predicated on, on rhythm and momentum. And it's like, they just can't get into a rhythm offensively to get things really going. They'll have like a nice drive here. And then all of a sudden they have three, three and outs in a row or something. And it's like, all right, here we go. They're not going to do anything the rest of the day. So whether that's a team leadership thing, whether that's just as simple, a, a small execution, whether that's player personnel, whatever it may be, uh, you know, part of it, it's, it's still, wild to me how uninvolved the tight ends are uh, Tyler Higby again only one catch 17 yards um so it's still surprising just how little they're utilizing the tight ends and whether that's a trust thing whether that's scheme whether that's whatever uh but I think the more you can involve some of those other players and they they ran some 12 personnel packages yesterday too where they had two tight ends out there even so it's it's interesting that they just are not utilizing them in the passing game whatsoever and just relying on I guess Pukunakua. I mean, only five catches. It wasn't like he had 12 or anything. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I think we're at this classically better, but if it is just a Kyron Williams away, then Hey, then this team can actually be a real force to be reckoned with. Yeah. I, well, let's, let's hope that that's all it is. And, you know, it, it makes me question about the, the future of, of the, of the uh, Rams offense and kind of thinking that, you know, they've been promising all this, all these uh, great things in 2024, 2025, but <clears throat> what are they going to do at a, uh, another, are they going to draft a wide receiver in the, in the first round? Is that, is that going to change the fortunes of this team and change the offense so much that, 
you know, are they going to yeah. draft another running back in the second or third round that is going to flip everything in the right direction? Are they a left tackle away from, uh, you know, this offense, you know, looking like it's, you know, you know, Sean McVay looking like his old self where he's just, uh, you know, you know, pushing the ball down the field and just lighting everything on fire is, you know, I just have all these questions. And I, I, I I included Tyler Higby into this this piece just kind of about how the Rams can um, help themselves against the blitz. And I think I'm going to turn it into more of a, a standalone piece as well of, you know, what has happened to Tyler Higby over the last few years. And he just got a, a contract extension. So he's kind of looks like he's the guy, you know, a bit yeah. in the, uh, for the next couple of years. Maybe a tight end is where they need to draft, but they've been they've been trying to, you know, get somebody else worked into the tight end position. And it's just, it just hasn't been working. And, you know, running back hasn't been working. Tight end hasn't been working. Um, you know, so I, I, you know, I'm not, uh, this guy is falling at this point, but I'm wondering what the answers are and what, where they're looking to, you know, improve this offense, you know, in this season and in the next couple of seasons, I don't, I don't anticipate, you know, Matthew Stafford is going to go anywhere over the next one, this season or next season. I don't think he's retiring or anything like that, but, uh, yeah. You know, it's just it, it it brings all these questions into my mind about what what their plan is. So, you know, we can uh, switch over to the defensive side anytime you want to. But uh, I think, uh, yeah, if you have any thoughts on uh, offense, go ahead. Yeah, just final thought and then we can do some quick defensive thoughts and wrap up. But uh, yeah, and what's interesting and I know McVay doesn't run the full Mike Shanahan offense. It's his own kind of variation. Um, and this year it's changed even more from more zone running to gap gap running. Um, so it's even a different variation than usually runs, but one of the stalwarts in this offensive system, and we see it across the league in how it's run is, is, you know, a solid tight end involvement. You know, you look at the, the 49ers with George Kittle, you look at the old days with Mike Shanahan and Shannon Sharp. Um, and we've seen it in different variations. Now I know Miami has a variation of it and they don't really use Mike Isecki that much, but also you don't really have to, when you have Tyreek, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, it kind of, uh, alleviates that. So it is a position I'd love to see them, whether it's Tyler Higby or whether it's a draft, like, can you imagine like a Brock Bowers on this team from Georgia? Like, I'm not saying I want them to use their first round pick on him, which he's probably gonna have to be a first round pick, but can you imagine like, it could be fun. Or if you're able to go get someone, maybe like a Noah Fant who plays in Seattle, had all the talent in the world as a top 10 pick and just hasn't really lived up to it. But Hey, if he, maybe he in a Rams uniform can fit that, that mold more. So I don't know. I don't know how they'll address it, but I think it's something that can definitely help this offense if utilized. And I think Tyler Higby, you know, I know there, he got some heat last uh, yesterday for a, a poor block he had. And, but I think overall he's a solid tight end. He's just never going to be that, dynamic dominant tight end that I think can really push this offense to the next level. So it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see what they do at that position, because as you mentioned, all they try to do is kind of like band-aids, like they'll take like a fifth round project that may be like, Oh, maybe this guy can turn into something great. They'll take a undrafted free agent. Oh, well, this is a decent backup. They took, um, uh, you know, a fourth round project and, and changed them from a, a more fast, light tight end to a more inline blocking tight end. And now they're wanting to be more fast tight end again. So it's like, they haven't just been able to figure out exactly what they want to do there. And I think that's important. So let's talk defense real quick. 16 points. I mean, they hold, they hold the Seattle Seahawks 16 points. You look at obviously a big loss. The Seahawks lost Kenneth Murray early on in the game, but 
still held them to under 100 yards rushing. I think they held them to like under 80 yards rushing between Zach Charbonnet and uh, a couple or one run from DJ Dallas. As Charbonnet was the main guy. Seattle, for all for whatever reason, actually got away from the run. They ran the ball under 20 times, um, and so that's not like them to do that. And you know, obviously losing Kenneth. Uh, Walker was a big loss, but Zach Sherman is certainly capable. So I was surprised they they went away from that as much as they did. But Rams up front were solid, kept Geno Smith in check uh, as he finished the day with just 233 yards. Did have one touchdown. They got to sack him twice when when uh, Drew Locke came in the game. They got that big interception from Darion Kendrick. Made a great play on the football. So your thoughts? I mean, they had they had the Seahawks number this year. Defense looks real great against the Seahawks offense. That's for sure. You know, Darion Kendrick redemption game. We already mentioned him with the interception. Uh, you know, uh, you know he's also uh, some boneheaded penalties there too. He gets that uh, nice classic. stop on, on Ty- classic Kendrick Ty- Tyler Lockett and suplexes him like he's uh, Mister Perfect there. And uh, <laughs> uh, and you know, thirty yards penalties total for it. But uh, you know, on the whole, he locked down on DK uh, Metcalf pretty well. Uh, DK is not an easy guy to cover and held them, you know, DK didn't have a, a fantastic day. So uh, kind of nullified him all altogether. But, you know, Aaron Donald, just game wrecker, you know, coming out there, seven total pressures per PFF. Uh, you know, nobody wants to see anybody get hurt in this league, but just a, just a hit on Gino um, knocked him out of the game, unfortunately. Um but it was kind of a tide turning um, uh, kind of possession there where, you know, they got back to, uh, you know, that's kind of when the offense kind of fell into a rhythm and, you know, just, you know, I, it's always hard to ask Aaron Donald to do this kind of thing week to week, just because he garners so much attention and you do need other players to kind of step up when he's kind of getting so much, you know, double teaming, triple teaming and all that. But this is kind of the game that I want to see from him all the time. You know, <laughs> this is the kind of yeah. Aaron Donald game that, uh, you know, he didn't come away with any sacks in this game, but it's all, it's like one of those games where it's like, it seems like he his had a bunch presence of sacks. Felt. His presence yeah. was felt. His presence sure. was felt. Yeah. Yeah. No, phenomenal. I mean, overall, the D line, 19 total pressures in this game per PFF. So um, they were getting, getting pressure against a pretty solid offensive line. And yeah, I don't want this to get taken out of context because Aaron Donald is great every single week, but against Seattle, he always seems to put together some dominant performances. And I think he just, you know, it's a division game. There's always noted of the bad blood. Like there's the, what, a few years ago, the almost sideline fight in SoFi after the game, like the, the stuff against, you know, Russ early on. And, you know, there's just always this extra hate i think for the niners and for the seahawks as it should be it's divisional you see them twice a year um and i think the niners do a little better job of neutralizing him a bit the seahawks he just wreaks havoc every week and that's i think why this team has such a good record against Pete carroll and the seahawks unit is they just cannot neutralize aaron donald and no 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 easy task he's one of the best to ever do it for a reason but yeah, absolutely phenomenal game. And when this defense goes through him like that, then they have really good games like this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, going into the second half, it looked like the Seattle offense was cooking pretty well. They, you know, they go in there, uh, you know, had scored 13 points, but the adjustments that the Rams defense make uh, for the second half, you know, just ground them to a halt, uh, you know, just 80 yards, I think of total offense. 
uh, for for Seattle after that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously, have it, losing your lead running back doesn't doesn't do your your team any favors, but you know, just you know, Lockett and DK and Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, you know, that's that's a good uh, trio of receivers and. Uh, this secondary coming back to surprise, keeping the keeping the team in the game, um, you know, forcing um, field goals instead of touchdowns. Uh, you know, yep. even when even when the uh, Seahawks were able to push the ball a bit into uh, Rams territory, they they locked down and were able to you know force them to take three inst- instead of getting seven. And and you know, that's the difference in this game. If one more of those, uh, if one of those drives go into the end, end zone, this, this mm-hmm. is where we're having a different conversation. So, you know, Raheem Morris is uh, keeping, keeping this team afloat. Um, <clears throat> you know, if you look at the games where the Rams have been able to score, score points, and those, those are the wins. <laughs> this one, they weren't able to, and they were able to sneak, sneak by uh you know, 130 yards of, of penalties from uh, the oh, yeah. Seahawks. We even uh, bring up the penalties. Both teams, crazy amount of penalties. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really sloppy in, in that respect. But uh, you know, Tutu Atwell. You know, I was thinking about it, it's like the opposite of Shaquille O'Neal when he was playing uh, in the NBA. Uh, you know, they were like players were just coming down and, and slapping them around, slapping them around, and ha- yeah, exactly. And and they're not. He's not getting the calls just because he's a giant man. Tutu Atwell, on the other hand, <laughs> you know, he gets kind of batted around and <laughs> he, everything looks much more uh, dramatic when you hit a 155 uh, pound person around out there. So, you know, he, he, you know, penalties go either way. I, I, I don't like to uh, harp on the refs too much, uh, but, uh, you know, you know, that was a, that was a, that was a game changing penalty there. Anyway, back to the defense. Uh mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was just a, a, a really solid performance from a, from a young and inexperienced and, um, uh, a bit banged up, uh, secondary, uh, Terry, um, uh, Kobe, Kobe Durant missed the game with an injury. Yeah. So, uh, you know, good to, you know, it was Darian Kendrick had to step up. He, he rose to the occasion, uh, made some stupid mistakes, but I think a great game and also Ernest Jones back. He, you know, yeah. unsung hero once again uh, of a game. So yeah. I think he got a sack. Big as, big as always. Yeah, um, yeah he uh, did have a sack. Four four total pressures uh, and a sack and um, six total tackles. So another big game for Ernest Jones. The last thing I want to say in the win this, obviously the secondary as a whole, um, and specifically when you look at the corners positions, you know, need some work. Akella Witherspoon didn't grade out good last night, but still, a you know, has been a great player for this team in the back end. We already talked about Kendrick, um, but we not necessarily us, but I think in general, the safeties are not getting enough credit. And it's, it's actually pretty impressive how deep that room is. You know, you go in to the, to training camp with Jordan Fuller question marks. They end up signing John Johnson late. And, you know, he obviously he's a veteran who's done some great things with his team. But throughout the season, Russ Yeast has stepped up in a big way. You have Quentin Lake for depth, who comes in sparingly and obviously does more in special teams, but has had some big plays. And so between the four of them, I mean, that's a really good safety rotation. And Fuller's having a really underrated season, isn't getting talked about nationally, but he's played, I think, really well for this team. So, you know, just hats off to that safety room um, that I think has has really performed well. And when you get some lapses 
between the corners, I think the safeties at least kept things in front of them to be able to keep this defense in check. And like you mentioned, not allow those touchdowns, hold the field goals. You know, you only give up one touchdown in the NFL. You're going to have a good shot at winning. And we saw it happen yesterday. Rams had two touchdowns. The Seahawks had one. So there's a difference in the game by one point. Yeah, absolutely. I can't say it better than that. Um, yeah, you know, uh, <clears throat> you know, we're, we're on the back half of the season, seven games left. Uh, you know, you look at all the Chirons on the on the TV screen. The Rams are in the playoff hunt. In the hunt. Yeah. They're in that and, hunt uh, bubble. <laughs> yeah. At, uh, at four and six, it's 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 kind of amazing. And if you look at, uh, you know, some of the people that are kind of or the, some of the teams that are kind of in that in that area, the last couple of uh, uh, teams that are you know, at the bottom half, the wild card teams, you think of Seattle and you look at their run of games, they play the Niners twice, the Eagles and the Cowboys. There is a, yeah. there's a world where, uh, you know, the Rams are on top of the, the Seattle Seahawks yeah. in the playoff standings in the NFC West standings. So it'll be interesting to see in the, in this, uh, the run up to the end of the season, exactly how this all plays out, you know, especially if Geno Smith misses some time, uh, you know, and, Th- those those three teams are are tough outs anyway you know even if you don't yeah. have your starting quarterback in there um so what are you, what are your thoughts on playoff chances what do you think what do you think of the last seven games yeah yeah i, I want to dive more into it so we'll on our preview show we'll talk more in depth we'll obviously talk preview of arizona but you know there's no one cares that much about that so i think we'll talk more playoff expectations on our next episode um, but yeah, definitely. We talked about it off the air. Definitely some very winnable games, a couple tough ones, but definitely, I mean, they can get to this at four and six, if they can get to seven and seven or, you know, or even six and eight down the stretch on those final games, like they can absolutely, you know, win this thing out and squeeze in the playoffs at nine and eight or something like that. So, um, I'm excited to get into it more. You know, you think back like, man, that Pittsburgh game, they just let slip away. Mm-hmm. Packers game, they were never in it, but just the unfortunate of, of not having Stafford against not a very good Packers team. Like that was a very winnable game. I know they didn't play like it, but and the score didn't indicate that. But the Steelers one, I think, will really, if down the stretch they lose another winnable game, that's the one that's going to haunt them, I think. Like, man, that's the game that could have put us in the playoffs. So can't play that game right now. There's still plenty of game, plenty of football left to play, and they're in the hunt, as noted. So we'll talk a lot more next uh next episode about kind of what it looks like down the stretch but anything skinny t left to uh add before we wrap this one up no uh you know victory day here uh on the ram skinny so it's a it's a good day there you go victory monday on the ram skinny here on the la football network thank you as always everyone for hanging out with us tuning in and make sure to like and subscribe to the show on youtube if you're on rams lafb you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts just search ram skinny and everything as always it is on lafb network dot com follow skinny t on twitter or x at rl anderson lafb myself is ryan dirud lafb or rams underscore lafb or lafb network are all the main handles a lot of stuff thrown out there but hey have some fun thanks so much guys for hanging out with us we appreciate it rams get the big win over seattle move to four and six we'll be back in a couple days previewing arizona and talking about the playoff standings and potential Everyone have a great week. Talk to you all soon.